0: We are in Galatians. We are going to be in chapter 1, verses 6 through 9 today. Chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Just as a recap, last week we had our intro to Galatians. We talked a little bit about the history of it, uh, where Paul was preaching in, where he was setting up these churches, and we... We also talked about how in the intro, he right away gives the gospel. He gives the gospel, and we're going to get into particularly in these verses why he was so quick to announce the gospel in this epistle. Um, Just as the summary for it, in that first couple verses where he did give it, it was uh, where he, he said that the Lord gave Himself for our sins so that He might rescue us from this present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be all the glory, forever. Amen. So, verses six through nine today, though, and like I said, like usual, this is out of the NASB. Yours might look a little different. This is going to be very similar to some of the topics that we talked about last week. It says, "I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you." by the grace of Christ, for a different gospel. Which is not just another account, but there are, some, <clears throat> there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, even now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what is received, he is to be accursed. So, going through the verses here, that first verse, uh, chapter, uh, verse 6, I am amazed that you were so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. I am so amazed that you are so quickly. So, the amazement here, from what we can see, is not that they turned away, it's that they turned away so quickly. So there's something really bad happening here in Galatia, and if you uh you notice so I don't know if anybody here is reading from the King James or not or if they have a King James at home. I think these later uh, translations where they had more manuscripts translate this better because in the old King James it says, "I am so amazed that you are I'm am amazed that you are so soon removed instead of." so quickly deserting so the old translation which seems to have been incorrect was implying they were removed from it versus we see people are not removed from their faith they are they desert it so that is the implication that goes on there so this there's another thing going on here in these epistles if if any of you guys are familiar with Paul's writings he almost always goes into an epistle and he compliments them the churches. He compliments the people for their faith, things like that, like for instance, in Romans uh, chapter one, he says, "I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your because of your faith is being proclaimed throughout the world. Um another one, first uh, Corinthians, thank God, I thank my God always concerning you." for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus. So in all of his epistles, he comes in and he thanks the people. He compliments them for their faith. He doesn't do that here. This is the only epistle to a church where he doesn't. Second Corinthians he doesn't, but he had started in 1 Corinthians. Um, but this is the only epistle where we don't see him complimenting. Instead, he goes right into the Gospel because something bad is going on in Galatia. So... If he's starting out with the Gospel, it's because it's a Gospel issue. He's being very direct here. Uh, Remember, and you might find some different numbers on this, but in all actuality, Paul has probably only been gone from these churches that he established for maybe two years. So in two or three years, they have fallen from the Gospel according to what was preached to them. So that's what is setting up the tone of this letter where he's like, I was just there. What are you guys doing? So for him, him who called you by the grace of Christ to a different gospel. This is is a good line in here because what it is saying is that when you are turning to a different gospel, you're turning away from Christ. You're turning, turning away from God. And when you do that as well, we know that the implication there is that you are turning from grace. You can't have grace without Christ. <clears throat> but in verse 7 here where it says which is not just another account but there are some of you who are there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Verse 7 is really in my estimation interesting here. It's basically making three statements within that set of verses there. It's saying one, that this gospel that they're talking about, this different gospel, is illegitimate. They're saying that it is that it's not good, that it's disturbing. There's some who are disturbing you with this gospel. It's troubling people, and that it's distorting the gospel of Christ. Does anybody know what distort technically means? It's it's like a twisting or a mangling of, of an image or a false account. So that's what this is doing. This gospel, quote-unquote, is doing to the gospel of Christ, which is not just another account. So he's being very clear here where he's saying that what you are hearing, it's not the gospel. There's not a separate gospel For you and me, there's only the gospel. So, what is that gospel? What is the good news? Obviously, to have the good news, we have the polar opposite of bad news. So, we know that mankind fell through Adam, that people in their natural state are in rebellion to God, they're alien to God, and so we have good news. That good news being that Jesus Christ came as a man, that the kingdom of heaven had come, that He had died on the cross, that He defeated death and rose again. And upon that belief, we know, based on the good news, that we share that bounty with Christ, that we are spared from the lake of fire, that we are given eternal life, that we are given indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us, that we are adopted, into the family of God, and that we are moved from that taskmaster of the law unto the law of grace, and that we inherit the new earth. So that's the true gospel. And anything other than that, Paul is saying, it's a different gospel because it's illegitimate. It's not the gospel. So that true gospel saves people, this different gospel that Paul is speaking of here it basically escorts people to hell and that's the that's the proper context to put it because nobody's forced to go anywhere you're not forced into heaven you're not forced into hell you choose which way you want to go we can be clothed in Jesus's righteousness we can walk in godly reverence or we can wail and we can gnash our teeth with a god that we want nothing to do with so that's why this This epistle is so important because people were going the other way. So, But there are some who are disturbing you. So false gospels, they don't just happen. It's not an accident. And generally, the people that will present them to you in your life, they're going to be sincere and they're going to be charismatic. So maybe that's how you know I'm doing good because I'm not charismatic. So I don't butter this up too well. But they're going to give you a worldly appeal. So there's there's a quote from Martin Luther on this that's really good. Martin Luther says, Note the resourcefulness of the devil. Heretics do not advertise their errors. Murderers, adulterers, and thieves disguise themselves. So the devil masquerades all these devices and activities. He puts on white to make himself look like an angel of light. And that's going to play in very well into our later talks here. But these false Gospels will be presented by people who look like they're walking in the light. That first appearance looks like it. They're very good at doing that. And they want to distort the Gospel of Christ as what's going on here. So this is a good good base here because what it is saying is that they can't come up with their own. Instead they take what what God has laid down and they distort that. They're not coming up with anything new, especially when we're talking of the cults. You know, they keep a lot of similar aspects of the faith and they just tweak it a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. And all of a sudden you have something very different. <clears throat> you have new laws, you have maybe some new origins, which is kind of some of the stuff we talked about last week with some of those uh, faiths who are very different from Christianity, even though they claim it. You know, they might change the attributes of God, give him new characteristics. And I just can't imagine um, I can't imagine the gall of somebody thinking that they could do that) Uh, I mean, there's no fear of God in somebody who thinks that they can do something like that. So why would somebody want to distort the gospel? So I, I think that whenever we talk about anybody in this kind of state of mind, this state of their soul, that we have to acknowledge that this has got to be somebody who's not born again. I mean, how could you be born again and do something like this? You just couldn't. There's no spiritual discernment going on for somebody who would do this. But why would they do this? I mean, if you think about this, before you were saved, and we've we've talked about this before, and I'll probably continue to talk about it, but in our natural state, the gospel is offensive. It just is. I mean, the gospel is telling you that That pride inside of you is wrong that says that you, you know, you inside yourself would naturally say, I don't need a savior. I'm okay. I'm a good person. I can do these things. I can, I can do good works. I can get myself to heaven. God will know that all the good things I've done outweigh the bad things. He'll know all those things. Instead of Jesus getting the glory, we naturally want to give it to ourselves, even if we don't mean to. You know the the Gospel says that our wisdom and our knowledge is wrong, because right away we're telling you, we're telling me, we're telling other people God came to earth, and he lived a perfect life according to the law, and that he died and rose again for you. Um, I know that I've talked to plenty of people that have rolled their eyes at that. So the natural man thinks that this is ridiculous, thinks that it's offensive. So it's no wonder that somebody would want to twist the gospel a little bit because they might not like it. So, verses uh, 8 through 9 here, where it says, and this is a really interesting part of Scripture that uh, some cults of Christianity really don't like. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, even now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. So it's one thing for people, fallen people, to preach you a false gospel. But Paul is saying here, that even if an angel tries to do it, you should not listen to them. And that's really... I don't know, for me it was it's really weird to hear. Because of all, of all beings, you would hope that an angel would not do that. Somebody who is in the presence of God is going to come and preach to you a false gospel. But according to history, 600 years after this, the angel... Gabriel supposedly came to Muhammad and gave him a false revelation. Now, was it really Gabriel? Or was it just a fallen angel? Or was Muhammad lying? Choose. You know, pick something. But it could have been any of those things. 1800 years after this, Joseph Smith says the same thing. Says the angel Moroni, who's not even a biblical angel that we know of. Came to him and gave him revelation of brand new ways of salvation, brand new origins of of the faith. So apparently fallen angels do things like this. And angels are very active. I don't like to get into angels a whole lot because I think sometimes people tend to try to worship them. But angels are very prevalent in scripture. I mean you can't get away from them. God uses them for judgments. He uses them as messengers mainly. He uses them to protect believers. He even uses them on the battlefield apparently sometimes when you look at the Old Testament. But the key here is that they are not God. You should never worship an angel. And in fact, in Revelation, when John tries to, the angel says, get up. What are you doing? Worship God, not me. <clears throat> in fact, Scripture really reiterates this in First Peter, where it says, uh, 1 Peter 3.22, And it says, who is at the who Jesus being at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven, after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. So these angels are just as subject to Christ as we are. Christ's gospel has been established. God has given us His Word. He has given us the new covenant. And it is not for even an angel to contradict. They can't change the Gospel. They can't change God's Word. And if they can't, people most certainly cannot either. And according to to Paul here, anybody who wants to change the Gospel is to be accursed. Not only because they're, they're perverting God's message, but think of what their perversion is doing. Does anybody know anyone who is in any of these cults? I know that we do. Anybody? No? So, these people are being fed this false gospel. The false gospel being being done, obviously, is an offense. But what about the people? The people who have fallen for this? If it's a false gospel, that means it's guiding them to damnation. That's the truth of Scripture. So, if somebody believes a false gospel, I mean, they're not saved. And that's the conversation that people don't ever want to have. Um, they, they, they they find it uncomfortable because nobody in this world today wants to offend anybody. But if this is truth, I don't know how you could hold it back from them because one day we're all going to die. Um, it might be in 20 minutes or it might be in 20 years. Nobody knows. But that's the importance of the gospel And that's why Paul was so, apparently in this epistle, so shocked because he had just been through there. He had just talked with them very recently, and all of a sudden they have a works-based religion creeping up inside the church. The Judaizers were just moving with apparently great speed in all of Galatia. So it's just it's just as important today as it was back then, because, like I said, we talk about these these cults of Christianity, and they do the same thing, and they they drag people down the same way. So,